This is Mission Disco, a conversation about imagination, innovation, and Christian mission in Ireland and beyond. I am Simon Kilpatrick. And I am Brian Sanders, and we are your DJs for this conversation. So every great endeavor has an origin story. Of course, uh, so do failed ones. Um, the Bible, you know, starts with an origin story. In the beginning is this really the starting point for all our stories. And I think remembering and retelling our beginnings can, on the one hand, it can demystify the whole startup process but it can also inspire us to start new things. Hearing, for some reason, I think hearing an origin story unlocks something in us. These simple beginnings have a way of maybe overruling our cynicism. Stories themselves require what C.S. Lewis called the willing suspension of disbelief. It's a great phrase there. And maybe even origin stories like those first stories, those beginning stories, they they do that too. They require the suspension of disbelief, maybe our deepest fear about the ideas that God gives us that they can't be done. So to hear an origin story, I think, is to suspend the disbelief that we hold in our hearts that this won't work. You know, if I try this, it won't work. Um and these kind of stories, they brush against our guarded hope and help us to maybe dream again. So I'm Brian Sanders, and I'm here with Simon Kilpatrick, and we're friends, and we live in Ireland, and we want to tell some stories, and we want to consider ideas that will both celebrate and inspire missional imagination in Ireland. We think there are beautiful stories to tell about creative people doing brave things for God and some ideas which, if thoughtfully explored, might just inspire ordinary people to do some extraordinary things. So, Simon, good morning. Good morning. You came. You I did, That's reluctantly. <laughs> very reluctantly. Uh, we're, a good, we're a good combination then because I feel like I want to do everything and you want to do nothing. And so somehow together good. we do the right things. Uh, <laughs> so where do we start? I mean, we could, we could talk about an origin story for you, which is really important. Um, I just keep thinking about your disco days because I imagine you as a DJ or something. That's probably not true. Yeah, no, I wasn't a DJ. <laughs> Definitely not a DJ. <laughs> And when you say disco, you think of night fever. So <laughs> it's not what it meant, but not that kind of disco. Tell me more, yeah. Yeah, uh, this was something that a group of people started uh, back in nineteen ninety-eight, I think, in an old church building in Black Rock. Um, there was an older congregation in it who, uh, I suppose, were getting a bit older and seeing that the church wasn't particularly growing and seeing opportunities maybe to use the building for something else. So a group of people, uh, some are of who are still involved, others um, who aren't, we started running a, an under-18s disco, um, nightclub. Uh, and for a while, uh, there was a lot of youth groups came along from um, other churches, and it was all going very nicely. But I think the heart behind it was much more, how do we reach people who aren't in church? Um, and one evening, I think about a year or two into it, um, someone broke a, 
a mirror. I'm not, supposed to, I'm not sure if I should tell this story. <clears throat> someone broke a mirror in the gent's toilet and there was a stabbing in inverted commas. I think someone got scratched. But um, because of that, a lot of the youth groups stopped coming and a lot more local people started coming along. And it got a name for itself. An infamous name for a itself. A good name, a bad yeah. name. <laughs> um, but I think for me, it was around that time. So it's probably about 20 years ago now. I remember um, sitting in a room, which I think we called a chill-out zone, because in the late 90s, that was cool. <laughs> and it was a white room with UV lights in it. And I remember chatting to two lads who must have probably been by 15 or 16. I was maybe 20, 21 at the time. And I remember chatting to them about um, why we were doing what we were doing and talking about, uh, I suppose, faith behind it and why we're doing it because of God. And uh, I remember just really being challenged on how do I articulate the gospel? How do I even relate to these guys um, there? And I think for me, that was a really important moment. When I look back on it now, I think it was a really important moment in uh, seeing that God cares for people outside of the church. And I probably already knew that, and I would have been told that in church, but my experience was... Um, people like me, and here I was confronted by two guys who weren't like me. Same sex, but very different in lots of other ways. Um, and it was a real challenge to go, how on earth does the church reach people like these? How do we engage? How do we even relate to, let alone share the gospel? Um, and I think that was a bit of a journey for me then. I was in college at that time, part of a team volunteering to help out run the disco, and it was kind of a year or two later after that then that I started working part-time. Uh, while doing another few things with a team and, and developing that. And I suppose that's been the journey all the way through is how do we how do we relate to people who aren't like us? How do we engage? How do we build relationships with people who aren't like us? We don't run the disc anymore, but it was a real journey. And I think I found this was something God called me to. This was something I was excited by. It wasn't necessarily being in church and doing sermons and talks, but actually how do I uh yeah, how do I relate to these people? Of course, that was a moment with two people, mm-hmm. but it was, I guess for you, maybe it was also a, an experience of God or it was a yeah, like absolutely. opening up or a revelation yeah, yeah. or something. I mean, how has that continued, I guess, because it seems like that when we have those kind of moments with someone, of course, we have we have tons of encounters yeah. with people, but some of them leave a mark on us and they, they feel like the beginning of something. I mean, how do you feel like that was the beginning of something for you? Yeah, I think there's been lots of conversations over time and, you know, encouraging conversations with Christians and other people. I'm not against Christians, obviously. (laughs) Uh, But something just sparked an interest and an excitement about how does God reach these people through people like me, people who are different. Um, And I think over time, the things that have got me going the most, or things that excite me the most, has been with people... I'm not familiar with and how do we facilitate, how do we create environments where those, where people who aren't like us can grow, ask questions, be themselves. Um, yeah. Yeah. Part of it. I mean, I, I just think of my own story, those really early days, also kind of college age. And some of it is a, is an awakening to the heart of God for those people. Yeah. Like actually, being a Christian or following Jesus or whatever is not, it's not strictly about his relationship with me and mine with him, yeah. but it has something to do with these other people that he, he, I feel something towards mm-hmm. them. So it's a, it's a revelation of his heart. Um, uh, it's a, it's an awakening to the, just the, the otherness of mm-hmm. 
people that that they they exist they matter but it's also something at least for me it was also something to do with um i don't know significance or purpose or like wow i'm i'm meant to do this mm -hmm. like my my life will be poorer if i don't pursue this so some kind of connection the triangulation in mission which i think is something that we both care a lot about mm -hmm. and awakening the church and ordinary believers to mission connecting their lives to mission is partly about god it's about awakening mm -hmm. our hearts to his heart it's partly about others like there are people in need that we really should show up for but it's also about us it's also partly about i don't know the best version of ourselves or or a mm -hmm. life well lived or a life that will give us the greatest this is, feels strange to say but like the greatest sense of fulfillment yeah. or significance um was there a particular moment for you or that came about it, it feels like a time you know it feels okay. like that that sort of college I, I i do remember uh having a roommate uh, my first year at the university of florida um and i was in a dorm and i had a roommate and the roommate was just sort of wacky uh, spiritual ideas. He was into transcendental meditation and he used to tell me that he was elevated. <laughs> you know, he, he would sort of say yeah, he had left his body last night or something okay. like that. Very, very interesting guy. But, you know, we struck up a friendship and I kept, I kept, we kept having these sort of theological debates, you know, the existence of God, the, who God was, the, you know, exclusivity of Jesus, whatever. Uh, and yeah, one I do remember one night in particular where <clears throat> I had just come back from spending some time in prayer with some people and I felt moved to share the story of Luke 15 you know the prodigal son mm -hmm. and for the first time and I, I was just sharing that story with him and for the first time he didn't argue with me he didn't and why was that? Do you think it was God at work or do you think it was yeah, your approach was, I, or your no I think he was I, maybe it was yeah maybe I was softer but I think I think he was moved by the story. I mean, mm. it, that it's it's a profound story. Mm, I mean, yeah. it, as ancient as it is, it still moves people's hearts when they hear it. We we, we locate ourselves in the middle of the story, yeah. and he did. And I can remember him just sort of sort of going quiet and um, saying, "Okay, well then, good night." And he just got up and walked into his room. And I I remember feeling very. I don't know, empowered by God, emboldened by God to say, no, this is, this is like an important moment. So I, I got up, I followed him into his room and I said, uh, his name was Jeff. And I said, Jeff, you know, when are you going to stop running? Don't you, don't you want to come home? And, uh, he said, I do. I really do. And I, I wasn't exactly sure what to do. Okay. <laughs> <I've> been, <laughs> I've been to a few churches where they did altar calls, so I, I was so trying to that? remember the language of the altar call. <laughs> so we, we kneeled down beside his bed, and clearly God was doing something in his life. We kneeled down beside his bed. He, I, I said, you know, I'm going to pray this prayer. If you if you agree with it, you know, you can pray it too in your own way. And he and I remember I remember him th throwing his hands in the air hmm. and and shouting this repeating this prayer. After wow. it was it was a truly beautiful mm. experience. And of course, that's life changing for him, but it was also life changing for me. Yeah. And 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 a series of people that came to faith in that dorm room, in that okay. dorm room, and then some sort of little 
maybe what I would call now a microchurch that emerged mm. in that dorm room. Uh, and so it's an awakening to the heart of God for other people that don't know him or that are far from him or that need him. Uh, and it was also an awakening to this sense of like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is, this is, there is no greater joy in the world than what I just experienced. You know, that but do you think for then kind of your journey up to that point though, you were involved with churches. Were you, did you see yourself as someone who'd be a church pastor? Like, was that a, a moment for you that you saw, actually, this is what I'm about and this is what God has for me? Maybe that's, that's all very foggy back then. Of, okay. course, of course, I was mostly a, a loser and a, a failure at, okay. at things at life, whatever, but, uh, only past tense. <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's lingering effects. Mm. That, yeah. But, uh, no, I, I did feel some kind of call to ministry at the time, but you know, you don't know what that means yeah. when you're, when you're 19. But could you see old. a vision of, of something else than just church pastor? Like, was there well, that that I think that was the turning point for me. That yeah. was that's the origin story of of really understanding my call to ministry, whatever that means, was really a call to mission, to be a missionary. Yeah, and that's probably maybe the central part of my identity, and that's partly how we met. I mean, that's yeah. part of how we we end up finding each mm -hmm. other. So maybe we should talk about that because this this there, we're, we're doing a podcast. Mm -hmm. We. It has a story, an origin story, which probably goes back to our meeting each other. So, mm. how, how did that happen? We should, maybe we should. It sounds so special it. and important. <laughs> well, it's relevant. How about yeah, that? that's it relevant. Yeah, yeah, but it's relevant here. Uh, yeah, it was a long time ago. It's probably about six years ago now. Um, I was. Uh, I think we were at a point uh, where we were kind of asking questions about what's next. We'd gone, I think traveled this uh, journey of mission being our main thing and we came to a point where we were starting to get comfortable with the Sunday morning and asking questions about we need to be focused continue to focus on the mission not on what church is and how to empower people to to do mission and I think I just finished in IBI doing a, um, a dissertation on church planting what church planting looks like and I'd had a few conversations and there's a mutual friend of ours um, who put me in contact uh, with you and I had an opportunity to take a sabbatical one summer, 2013, and we traveled to the States and uh, linked up with you. Uh, and I think that was part of a journey that God was doing in me. I was somewhere else in the summer then uh, at another point earlier on. But it was, I think, meeting you and meeting the underground. There was a, there was a familiarity with what the underground was doing in a similar language um, in having similar conversations and talking about the same thing. Even though the contexts were completely different. I think we use the same language, which is a crucial, really, uh, really important thing for me. I think in where I was at the time, there wasn't a huge amount of, I couldn't articulate maybe what I was thinking. Um, and there wasn't people there speaking the same language or people like who I got. So that was a really interesting time for us as a family. Um, and then coming back to Ireland going, something like this could be right for us. And for us, it wasn't actually copying or imitating what you were doing. But actually for me, it was being reminded of the origin story nearly of where we started out with we start with mission how to empower ordinary people to start something and that was what we were told when we started out remember one of the ministers locally great guy retired now um saying you've permission to fail and i think that was a huge thing for us at the start and for us it was being reminded of that being in america and seeing other things and thinking through stuff through the dissertation was we need to go back to where we started and start that again and do that again in smaller ways, how do we empower other ordinary people to start something that's on their hearts? 
Yeah, and of course, for those that, that are listening that would not know, uh, the underground is really just a collection of people that did something like the underground yeah. disco. It's, yes, it's a it's an attempt to reform the church as a network of creative missionary ideas, like gr- little groups of yeah. people that have some some thought, and they think, man we should go do this. We should, we should go engage this need or this group of people with, with the goods of the kingdom, mm. the sacramental life of Jesus and the kingdom. And then bringing all those, trying to somehow serve those people and bring them together. So it, it does make sense in, in, in a way that any missionary person with a creative idea anywhere would find a sense of family or home yeah. with each other, which is really what the, the network was there in Tampa and why we continue to be friends and mm. why, we now have people all over the world who who kind of resonate with that. They're looking for a place to belong. I mean, part of part of what happened in the early days with you was you you, you sort of had to be the first to do it. Um, and I guess that's also a part of most beginnings mm-hmm. is you're doing something that no one has done before, and that can be really scary. It can be really invigorating, depending on your personality. It could be something that you're drawn to or something that. Your, that repels you, you know, but it does take, um, I guess, courage or belief or something. And I, I wonder what it is, uh, you know, as we unpack our own origin stories and and want to inspire other people mm-hmm. to think about, well, to remember the, the things that they've started in their life, because everyone has, mm-hmm. you know, begun things. And to go back and remember, yeah, that... I was scared and I did have to overcome some things and God was present and he was leading me or calling me, uh, but also to inspire us to start again, to begin again. You know, we're, we're, I think we're hoping at least in, in doing this little, you know, humble podcast is, is to try to, to, to welcome, uh, create a place where those stories can be told and where the ideas, uh, that would lead us to start things, to begin things, to uh, take that step of courage in mission, um, to remember that maybe we have done it before uh, and God was present in it and maybe we should do it again. So what, what are the elements though? I mean, as, as I don't know, we can just think through what. Yeah. Know. I, because I, you know, you say it, it being the first, I don't know if I really, if we really realized that at the start that you're trying something different, Maybe it was just, yeah. yeah, it was just, there's a need and there's people here who don't know Jesus. So how are we going to do? And you just become creative and you just try things and you fail and you experiment and you, you do different things. There was no kind of, oh, let's, we no big plan when we started out. I don't do plans or strategies. I'm terrible at that. You just have an idea and just try it and, and start with something. And I think that's where you learn. And I think it's been reminded again that, God put something on your heart and going back to that conversation with those two guys, that was significant for me. And it wasn't, I don't know where those guys are at now. um, You know, it's not like they've started churches at this point. Uh, Maybe they have, but I don't know about it. Um, But I think it was just being reminded again that God's called his church to meet all people where they're at. And it was just that kind of desire or or vision to do that. But you mentioned, I mean, there was someone who gave you permission. Yeah. How, how, I mean, how significant is that sense of permission? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's important as a younger Christian to have someone older say to you that they've got your back, that they're covering you. 
um, that they believe in you, that they pray for you. I think that is really important when you're trying something new because you don't know what you don't know what you're doing. You're making mistakes. You know, we've had lots of issues, fights, um, police called, ambulances have been called a few times. There's a lot of times where you're just brought to your knees to pray for situations. But having someone who's saying, keep going, um, keep doing it was a really significant part. Did you, does that happen in your story? Did yeah, you have that uh, kind of thing? Just as you're, you're saying, I'm like, oh God, I don't, I don't think anyone gave me permission. You just rebelled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I, but you have to have that sense that, that God is leading you, that he's calling you. You need to be obeying the voice of God yeah, in your own yeah. life. And that can come through different, yeah, through different other people. sources. Yeah. It, it could be a, a person in spiritual leadership who says, you should do this. You yeah. know, I, I see this in you. Mm -hmm. I affirm that. Uh, but it doesn't have to be. It just needs to, there needs to be some, by at least by faith, you have to believe that yeah, I'm, I'm obeying God. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to obey God here. It would be nice if there was always people in spiritual leadership who affirmed those ideas, but sometimes it's not there. Sometimes yeah, it's yeah. not present. And I don't, I wouldn't say it's a reason to not go forward Yeah, to not try anyway. And so maybe it's good that we have kind of both of those kinds of stories, yeah. um, <clears throat> being willing to do it without if, if it's absent. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but certainly to look, forward to it if you have it and 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 a lot of what i think we do now it, that even that word permission is such a fascinating word if you think of the etymology because it's something to do with like i don't know maybe the father of mission the the mm -hmm. the the beginning of mission permission has to come from somewhere you know mission always starts with some some inkling some empowerment some inspiration uh, hopefully that's from God, but it would be nice if if people in spiritual leadership were a bit mm. more uh, generous with that kind of permission. Yeah, and I think I think the the established church, the church, struggle with with that struggle with someone doing something different or outside of the church because it's not fulfilling the church's vision or mission. And I think I think churches are getting better on it. It's talked about more, but yeah, it was definitely a struggle back then. There's a lot of people who just didn't understand us, didn't get us. We went through, you know, lots of issues over the time. Which I find ironic because almost all of our churches have origin stories themselves. Where yeah. They had to step out into yeah. the nothing, into the blue ocean, into the... Oh, so what is it? Is it just they were so far back, the origin stories, that they've forgotten them? Maybe that's it. Maybe if you get too far away from your own origin story, your mm. own beginning, you, you forget your beginning. And then you see the seeds of it of new things being born up in your community, mm -hmm. and you you resist them because you think, well, that's not the direction we're going, or that's that's somehow going to pull people away yeah, from yeah. us or what we're doing. And I just think, I you know, I think of these kind of founder types uh, that you know. Of course, we're friends with with a lot of Wesleyans, you know. So you can think of. Uh, you know, John Wesley would just turn over in his grave if he knew that people were saying no yeah. to missionary ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, like, ah, it's not what we're doing or that's not the vision of our church. You know, you, you, not, you don't have permission to go out mm -hmm. and brave. Now, you, you, you were, I guess, you know, lucky enough to have that. Um, but some people aren't. And that's, that's sad. It's, yeah. it's a problem, um, especially in, in a time in which I think people do have creative beautiful ideas and opportunity you know they're in a place to to see something emerge that didn't exist before to go from that zero to one uh to take that step from zero to one 
and 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 maybe you know it's something that that leaders who of established churches and and ministries and parachurch organizations need to need to sort of covenant and commit to saying yes when and where they can you know well why are we doing this i mean what's the podcast yeah what's what's what do we what's our what do we hope happens i guess and we have a we, this is not scripted here. We don't. No. We don't. So I'm asking you. I'm yeah. thinking about it right now. What I mean, I, I I think we have a general vague sense that this might be a good idea. But I mean, yeah, I it? think it it's an opportunity to, I think, share stories, our stories, but also the stories of other people. I think to broaden people's imagination of what could be, hearing the stories of what people have tried and failed with, sharing ideas, things we've read, whatever it might be, but to start a conversation or draw together a conversation of, of people who are trying to do mission in creative ways, innovative ways and encourage one another to do that. Cause it is tough. And there's lots of people out there who are doing things, but because they're not necessarily completely tied in with traditional churches, there's a bit of, you don't know them, you don't know about them or you don't hear about them. Um, and I think trying to draw those people together would be. And specifically in Ireland, because, you know, there are some, there, there are plenty of stories sort of floating <clears throat> out there from Europe yeah. or the United yeah. States or the developing world or whatever. But, but it just does seem like uh, we need Irish stories mm-hmm. and Irish voices if we're going to try to understand and care about and love and engage this island. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not. There's nothing wrong with those the stories from other places. It's lovely, and there's probably something good to learn, and so on. But uh, it does it does feel, of course, living here now, it, it feels like if we if we don't understand this place, these people, you know, if they're these are not the stories that we're inspired by. It's never quite gonna fit. Yeah, you know. Um, and I think Irish people are probably reluctant to share the stories. Mm-hmm. So. But they'll tell them if someone else is willing to listen or promote them or talk about them. So that could be helpful. People aren't going to self-promote. No, they wouldn't. I'm learning <laughs> that. I'm learning that. <laughs> the world, and that's actually it's something that's kind of, I don't know, trustworthy maybe about the modesty of that, that, that it's precisely those stories that we should tell. Mm-hmm. It's the people that are not interested in self-promotion that we most should hear from, that we most should learn about what they're doing mm-hmm. and understand their hearts. And of course, there is a kind of person that is interested in self-promotion. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe maybe they're going to find their way to tell their story. Yeah. And that's maybe less important to us. Yeah. We're less interested in that. Uh, but but I think you're right. I think there are, there are some, we're already seeing and already meeting mm-hmm. And you know, because you, you've walked with many of these people for years that are doing kind of inspiring, in some cases small, but beautiful things mm-hmm. that if, if, we could, if we could reflect on them, uh, they might have some sort of viral kick-on effect where, where others might think, well, I could do that. Or I, I kind of am doing something like that. Or I'm close to doing something like that. And so the telling of those stories, the celebration of those stories, uh, might generate more of them. I think that's at least for me, that's probably my motive, or yeah. my um, hope for for this maybe more public dialogue uh, is to just awaken people's imagination and 
give them a little bit of courage maybe yeah uh they that that i imagine that person that even right now might be listening that thinks oh i know exactly what i would do if i were not afraid mm-hmm. i know exactly what i would do and maybe we can activate somehow the right ideas the right uh story or or just faith itself uh I don't know, shining the light on God's heart or will for them that makes them say, I'm going to do it. What do you think helps in that and in your experience? What helps people to overcome those fears and start something? Is it different for different people? Yeah, it, 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 I, I, think it's, I think it's at one level it has to be about God. It has to be mm. an encounter <laughs> with God, you know. Um, and so, you know, I wouldn't, whatever, however that comes to them, it will always be attributed. You know, even the story of the, the two young guys that you encounter or my my story with my roommate is really those are really encounters with God. Yeah. 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 Uh, but there also needs to be there is a human component. There has to be most of us in our call, our sense of call, our sense of starting the beginning story. There was someone in our life. Someone that said you could do this or someone that that uh, confirmed what we sense God was saying. It's very rare, I think, for a person to just go off into a cave and have a, God yeah, and... have a light sort of strike, you know, them and they come out just a hundred percent certain of what they're supposed to do. There has to be the affirmation of other people somewhere, somehow. So maybe maybe we could help with that. Maybe we can give permission. Maybe we could form some kind of little Mm. community around those ideas and and maybe it's worth even saying right now that that if you are doing something like that or if you hope to uh we want to help mm-hmm. you know we're not just interested in broadcasting ideas we want to interact yeah uh with you if if that's your heart you're already there or you're 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 just needing that little extra push or resources i think that yeah when you talk about the having someone to affirm it. I suppose when I was reflecting, when you think about origin stories, there's loads in the Bible. You see all the people and how God's called them. But one particular one, I think that's resonated with me has been Moses. When I was in IBI, I was probably first year, we had an Old Testament class and we were sent off to do an assignment. And you could do it, I think, on a book of the Bible, a geographical region or something else. And I submitted that I was going to do a book of the Bible. So I can't remember what, what book I chose, but I chose one of the shortest ones because I was just trying to do the least amount of work. <laughs> That's what I can do. And uh, I remember the lecturer talking to me after. I see you've submitted this. I was like, but you know, I studied geography before being an IBI. And I said, I thought you'd do a geographical region. I was like, that's going to take far longer. (laughs) There's a lot more work involved in that. Anyway, I felt convicted that I should do that. So I ended up looking at the Sinai Peninsula. And a lot of that was around Moses' journey. Um, And just kind of reflecting on his journey there was there's the point in exodus 3 where he's confronted by the burning bush he's out tending to the sheep and he's confronted by god in this burning bush and god's called him you know he says i've heard my people's cry i've heard that they're in pain and suffering mm-hmm. and i'm sending you um and it's really interesting kind of at, at one point obviously moses says a few times but why me why are you calling me i can't do this i can't do it i can't do it but it's a really interesting part it's verse 12 in, in exodus 3 and uh, god says you'll do it because I'll be with you. That's what he says, I'll be with you. And I think the really interesting bit after that is, 
he's he, he affirms Moses that he's calling Moses, but there's also kind of a future promise and one that Moses can't grasp hold of there and then. But he says, and this would be the proof that I am the one who sent you. When you have brought my people out of Egypt, you will worship God right here at this very mountain. Mm. And I think there's that God's called Moses. He talks to Moses through the burning bush at a point. And then years later, Moses is back on the same mountain, Mount Sinai again. And he receives the Ten Commandments there. He meets God in the clouds, in the darkness. And there's that thought of God bringing him back to a place where he's reminded of of his original call. Mm. So he's told at the start, there's this promise, I'm calling you to do this, and this will be the future proof. So he's trusting God. So there's a stepping out into the unknown and trusting that he'll be back on this mountain with these people worshipping God. That's a real challenge for me. And I think that it reminds me again of going back to that story I shared earlier and other stories as well. When you get disillusioned, when things are difficult, when things are tough, going back to God's original call, that place. And I do, it's interesting. Why, why did, why did God bring Moses back to that mountain? Why to that situation again? Was it to remind him, to keep going, to encourage him, to say, look, this has been fulfilled. Now you do the next bit. And there's that trust. It's just a really interesting, God brought him back to that place again, back to that where he was called his origin story of, of being called to call God's people out of slavery and into something different and new. It's a real kind of challenging for me and I suppose encouraging at the same time. Maybe in that sense, calling is always <clears throat> renewed. It always yeah. kind of finds its way back to the beginning. So, so wherever, wherever you are in your life right now and you think, well, what, you know, what, what's next for me? It mm. could be actually rooted in something in your past, something, yeah. some, something God spoke to you or an encounter that you had with him early on. Now it may, it may take on new life or, or a new iteration. It often does. It just, I was just thinking of Rocky three. Is it Rocky three? You know, where Apollo's. Yeah, so yeah. Has to take, what what Mick says the worst thing that can happen to a fighter happened to you. You got civilized, you know, and he has to take him back to the the original jail, yeah, 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 the street or whatever. Yeah. Get back to the eye of the tiger. There's a there's a returning to the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And that's the new beginning. Mm-hmm. That's the the fresh start, a yeah. redo in our lives. And sometimes, sometimes. Uh, we feel like our way is hidden. I was just thinking, you know, we just read Isaiah 40 the other day. Why is my way hidden from me, Lord, that lament, you know? Um, But it's there. You know, the path, the path forward is clear. It's clearer when we remember these beginnings, these, these key moments in our lives. God has spoken something to us that was meant to last Mm -hmm. maybe even the whole of our lives. Um, that 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 there is a missionary call. There is a there is a sending. The burning bush is a theophany. It's an encounter with God like no other. But it's also a sending. Yeah. It's also a mm-hmm. destiny. It's also about His significance, His purpose in the world, what He's supposed to do and be. And this won't be the last time he re- resists that, you know, <laughs> and says, mm, not me, I don't want to do that, or has to overcome his fears or whatever, um, his own foolishness or sin. And we will too, sure. And I think sometimes we can we can remember that call or that original thing and go back to that and nearly live off that and live off what God said to us then and just keep kind of doing what we were doing and remembering that part. Whereas for Moses, it wasn't, it was going back and being in that physical place again or close to mm. it, but it was hearing again from God, hearing again the reminder of, 
of where God's called them to. It wasn't a thing. Sometimes, you know, we can do that. We can just go back and live off what live off stories of God in the past, mm. but actually it was a renewing and refreshing of what God might be saying to him next. But he was reminded of that promise that he was told in Exodus three, that this would happen. And it was. Yeah, that's, that's well said. I was thinking too, you know, the gospel writers having to tell the story of Jesus. So mm-hmm. they have to tell the yeah. beginning and they have to decide well, where do we start? Yeah. Oh, okay. I got to tell the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, where do I begin? So of course, Mark, probably the first gospel, he begins with John the Baptist. That's where he starts the yeah. story of Jesus. Like he can't just start with the birth. You probably have to start with the forerunner's birth. You know, that's where he chooses yeah. to start. Um, and then you have Matthew, maybe the second gospel. And he said, well, you can't. That's actually not far enough back. To really tell the story of Jesus, you've got to go back to. Way back. Yeah, you've got to tell like a genealogy. Yeah. So he, he tells a genealogy which ends, well, which begins uh, with Abraham. You know, it's like this is the story of the people of Israel. Actually, the story of Jesus starts with Abraham. It starts with Israel. But then Luke gets a hold of it, and he's like, well, actually, that's not far enough back. Really, to tell the story is to tell the story of humanity itself. So he does a genealogy that starts with Adam. So he goes even back to the mm. creation you know, narrative, or at least that first, that seventh day of creation, sixth day of creation. But then John, who's the last, who actually also starts his gospel with in the beginning that same genesis one line in the beginning was the word you know he goes back so far he goes back to the creation of the cosmos itself he he wants to say actually the story of jesus is the story of all things created it's actually it's really quite profound Mm. you know because each of them in their own way is wrestling with the the significance the complexity, the, the the severity of the story of Jesus, and where does it actually begin? You know, where does it begin? And they have to go back farther and farther. And there's something there's something really profoundly true about that in our own lives. Mm. Like we, whatever you need to do today, you probably have to go back a bit in your life, yeah. and maybe even farther and farther yeah. to see something that was started in you a long time yeah. ago. And I think the encouraging thing from those things as well, because sometimes we can see ourselves as isolated in time and it's just about us, but actually that we fit into that much bigger picture as well. And it's God's story ultimately. Mm-hmm. And we fit our part into that. I yeah. think that can be encouraging yep. as well. Okay, good. All good. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> One down. <laughs> You've been listening to Mission Disco, a podcast by Praxis Movement. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at Praxis Movement. Like or subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud or online at PraxisMovement.com.